everyone to the Practicology Podcast. This is episode 100, and it's also the very first episode of 2023. And uh, Matthew's with us again today. He's got a message for the new year as the calendar flips from 2022 to the new year. And as we enter a new year, Mike, let me ask you off the top. Do you have any predictions for 2023? Uh, I don't, Matthew, um, other than that my God will continue to be there for me and he'll hold hold me fast. Yeah, well, you stole my line. That's where I was going. That is my prediction for 2023, that life will be hard sometimes, but God will be faithful. That's my prediction. The calendar has changed, but thankfully God has not changed. He was faithful to us in 2022, and he will be faithful in 2023. He is our ever faithful God. And this has been so helpful to me over these past few years that, to be honest, they did have some low spots, but God was with us in the low spots because he is always with us. He is ever faithful. Amen. And thank the Lord for that, because we, as we've been saying, we don't know what 2023 will bring in our own lives or in the lives of those listening. But one thing we do know, brothers and sisters, is that our God will be faithful. So we're going to start off a new year of episodes by thinking about God. That's where the Bible starts, isn't it? In the beginning, God. And that's where theology should start. And that's actually where the Practicology podcast started way back in February the 21st of 2021 with the God of Endurance. And we're going to start 2023 by thinking about God. Like Mike has said, we don't know what 2023 is going to hold for us, but it's likely to bring some challenges and we're going to need our ever faithful God. And the first century church in the Greek city of Corinth needed the same faithful God. So twice Paul tells that blessed yet struggling church that God is faithful. Yeah, that's wonderful. Let me uh, just read those two references quickly. In 1 Corinthians 1 verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then uh, way over in chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. So these are great scripture choices, Matthew, uh, for us to etch into our minds for the year ahead of us that God is faithful. Thank you. And here's lesson number one that these scriptures teach us. The faithfulness of God to his people is dependent upon God, not us. Remember who those words were written to twice over. It was the, the sort of messed up church in Corinth. The letters that Paul wrote to Corinth show us that those dear believers had a variety of serious issues, plenty of problems there. And to that church, Paul writes, God is faithful. Because the faithfulness of God to his people is dependent upon God, not us. So in my stumbles and in my sins, I'm not at liberty to think, well, God isn't going to love me anymore. He always loves us. He always will. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. In my wanderings and weaknesses, I'm not at liberty to say, God has forsaken me. I know we might feel like that at times. Where are you, God? We might think that and we might say that, but he hasn't forsaken us. He says he never will. In fact, the Lord Jesus was forsaken on the cross so that we never will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Matthew, you mentioned at the outset how this truth of God's faithfulness has been really precious to you in recent years. And uh, am I allowed to ask you this in public? Um, I'm just curious. Have, have you ever thought that or said that yourself? Have you ever 
thought to yourself that maybe God has or the Lord Jesus has forsaken you? I don't think I've used those words, God has forsaken me, but I can recall an evening, I'm guessing this was, uh, this must have been 2021 when I was dealing with depression and was having trouble sleeping. By the way, brothers and sisters, being overtired can certainly weaken us mentally and emotionally. It can breed some cynicism and doubt even without depression. But I recall being in a low spot and I was actually scheduled to preach on Zoom online that evening and I was struggling and I went and got a shower, just hoping to clear my head a little bit. And I just remember the awful feeling for a few minutes that it just, I felt like I was reaching out to God and no one was there. I think that's how I described it to Esther. Why wasn't he getting me out of this hole that I was in? And so what did you conclude, Matthew? Like, why wasn't he getting you out? Yeah, good question. I would say, and this is going to be relevant when we think about 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 in a few minutes, but I would say now that he wasn't getting me out of the hole right then because he was going to show me that he was with me in the hole. Mm. He was faithful. Yeah, yeah. And that's the message I had to keep preaching to myself, though emotionally I struggled at times to stand on the shoulders of that verse. I'm glad that mentally I knew it was there and I believed it to be true, even if it didn't feel true. That in itself, I would say, reflecting was God's faithfulness to me. Yeah, and uh, we're thankful that you're sharing this with us, Matthew, because even hearing this testimony uh, is a help to us. I, I feel I've been there too. And and all this shows us the value of getting these truths into our minds and hearts. I mean, there's a sense that what you're doing in, in those moments of reciting the faithfulness of God is, is you were doing theology with yourself. And what you're bringing up today is practical theology. It's practicology because we are meditating on an attribute of God. This is who God is. This is his character, which never changes. And this is why it doesn't depend on us. It obviously wasn't because of my spiritually noble mind and that scene I just described. I felt like he wasn't even there, but he was there. God never gives up on his people. Sure, at times God's faithfulness to us may require him teaching us through trials, his hand of discipline in our lives. That's part of the child-rearing process that he has undertaken with us. But he does that because he cares for us. He never gives up on his people. And God's dealings with Israel are such a fantastic example of this. Paul actually refers to Israel in the preceding verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we know that Israel complained and rebelled against the Lord plenty in their wilderness journeys. But that didn't affect God's character. At the beginning of chapter 10, we can read, Israel drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, that scene and concept of Christ as the rock that followed them, that teaches me God's faithfulness in three ways. Number one, a rock is a picture of steadfast, unchanging strength. The Lord is our rock. Israel didn't deserve it, but it was the unchanging character of God. He's faithful, and the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Secondly, water came from that rock. That's not a normal thing, you know. But God wouldn't let his people go thirsty because he's faithful. I'm reading through Isaiah in my own reading these days. I came across these words in Isaiah 48 recently. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow from the rock for them. Our ever faithful God is determined to provide for his people's needs. So first we've got the concept of a rock showing God's steadfast, faithful character. Secondly, water came from the rock because God is determined to provide for his people. Thirdly, that rock followed them. He stuck with them. 
Even when they wandered in disbelief and disobedience, God stuck with them. He remained faithful. Actually, Mike, one of my favorite testimonies in Scripture to the faithfulness of God is the abiding presence of God with his people in the wilderness, in that pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, It never departed from the people, did it? Never. And when Nehemiah recounts the faithfulness of God in that beautiful chapter 9 of his book, he says, Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. So lesson one, and it's a lesson that is just absolutely needed by my soul today. Matthew, lesson one, the faithfulness of God to his people depends on God, not on us. Right. Now, I want to think of the language of chapter one in particular for our next lesson. We read God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's a text that calls us to reflect on our experience with God. And we learned that our own past experience and our present relationship with God are evidence of his faithfulness. Now, admittedly, the chapter one reference does certainly have an element of anticipation to it as well. It's not just reflection. Uh, The preceding verse says, he will strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless. But then to support that point, He speaks of their present relationship and their past experience. God is faithful. You were called by him. You were called by God in the past. Reflect on that. Because God's past dealings with you in your conversion and in all your Christian life are proof that he will present you blameless in the future. Yeah, I think Romans 8 ties that past and future together with our call as well. Uh, It says there, those he predestined, he also called And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And one of the points there is that our our glorification is, in a sense, it's as good as done. God speaks of it in the past tense because it's, it's absolutely certain. He called us, he justified us, and then he will be faithful to glorify us. Good. So the fact that God called you and made you a Christian and that you are still a Christian is proof of God's faithfulness. And it is proof that he will remain faithful to you through eternity. John MacArthur comments on this First Corinthians 1 reference, maybe with a little hint of the Calvinism that he espouses. He says, we are saved because God wanted us saved and we stay saved because God does not change his mind about that desire. If he called us when we were lost and wretched, he will surely not cease to be faithful now that we have come into fellowship with his son. So we don't stay saved because of our amazing Christian faith or behavior. We stay saved because God does not change his mind about his desire to have us in fellowship with his son. I like it. I knew you would. But <laughs> I want us I want us all to think about this idea of reflecting on the faithfulness of God a little more. Uh, we're first being brought into fellowship with Christ is one thing. But in that fellowship, I think God reminds us on a regular basis of his goodness to us. And I want to suggest to our listeners that one of the ways we encourage one another is by telling one another of the faithfulness of God in our lives. Actively reflect on that and share that. I gave Esther a book for Christmas called 12 Faithful Women, Portraits of Steadfast Endurance. And she's enjoying the book. And she shared this with me from from the preface of the book. It says, if you feel weary or worn, 
You don't need a change in circumstances. You need the testimony of God's faithfulness in the lives of believers who have persevered. I know sometimes we do need a break from circumstances, but as, as we'll see shortly, actually, from 1 Corinthians 10, the change in circumstances sometimes simply doesn't come. And in fact, what we need more is the reminder of God's faithfulness in the circumstance. So while the book says it's talking about the faithful, steadfast endurance of Christian women, some of whom you know and some you probably never heard of, the truth is the stories of Christian faithfulness are really stories of God's faithfulness. And what helped Helen Rosevere to remain faithful? Helen was a doctor and missionary to the people of the Congo. One time, as written in Betsy Childs Howard's chapter on Helen in this book, Helen was faced with a, a premature newborn whose mother had died in childbirth. Keeping the baby warm was essential, but since they had no incubator or electricity, the hospital relied on hot water bottles to warm newborns. But the hospital's last hot water bottle had already burst. Helen gathered the orphans who lived at the mission station for a time of prayer. She told them about the baby's needs, and she asked the children to pray and was taken aback by the prayer of 10-year-old Ruth. Ruth prayed, please, God, send us a hot water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God, as the baby will be dead. So please send it this afternoon. And while you're at it, please send a dolly for the baby's sister so she'll know you love her. Well, that may seem like a cute prayer to us, but Helen knew it was a near impossible request because there were no pharmacies close to them that sold hot water bottles. The only way God could answer that prayer, Helen wrote, was by sending me a parcel from the homeland. But I had been in Africa four years by that point and had never never received a parcel from home. And besides, who would think to send a hot water bottle to people who live on the equator? That afternoon, you know where this story's going, a large box from England arrived on her doorstep. The first package she'd ever received. She called the children so they could open it together and see. And Helen began to cry as in that box amidst bandages, bandages and soap and boxes of raisins, there was a hot water bottle. And when Ruth, the 10-year-old girl, saw it, she said, if God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. <laughs> and, and the last thing they found in the box was a beautiful baby doll. That package had been sent five months earlier, and God brought it to them in the moment of greatest need. Now, wouldn't that help Helen remain faithful in her subsequent devotion to the Lord, knowing that she, she has that experience with God to reflect on? She has experience of God's faithfulness. Mike, uh, I know you have too. Uh, can you share with us something that stands out in your memory as a time when God showed his faithfulness to you? Well, there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of uh, things that coming into my mind. Um, I guess one of them was uh, maybe a similar childlike prayer that that girl prayed um, when I was probably a very young teenager. I was just about to head over to my grandpa's to mow the grass and I, I asked him to show me whether my uncle Jim was saved or not. And uh, I won't take time to fill in all the backstory, but it, this was a, this was asking for the unexpected, definitely, if you know my family story and so on. And uh, anyways, long story short, I went over, cut the grass, and went over to sit by grandpa. And what would you know? But there was my uncle Jim sitting there and talking to my grandpa about the Bible and so on. And and that was uh, that was a great experience for me as a very young Christian to see that God actually hears my prayers and he's faithful to answer them. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for answering that on the spot as well. I'm prepared. And listeners, let me encourage you to reflect on specific examples of the faithfulness of God in your own life for your own encouragement and to encourage your brothers and sisters. 
All right, this is good, Matthew. And so far, you've shown us from Corinthians uh, the proof that the faithfulness of God to his people is dependent on him and not on us. And then you've taken us back to chapter 1, showing us how our past experience and our present relationship with God are evidence of God's faithfulness. So how about you give us a few minutes on chapter 10? From chapter 10, we learn God has guaranteed his faithfulness to us in the future. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. God's faithfulness in life doesn't mean life will always be easy. It's life. Life is not hopping from one mountaintop experience to the next. There are temptations that are common to humanity. There are valleys in between the mountaintops, but our ever faithful God will be with you in the valleys, on the mountains and in the valleys. The truth is, of course, we don't really, sometimes we don't really appreciate the faithfulness of God until we've seen him walk with us through the valleys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess one of the points here as we start the new year is that we don't know what's coming around the corner this year. And if the Lord doesn't re return first, I'm, I'm sure our listeners have plans for 2023, you know, education plans, plans to travel, plans for even spiritual growth and, and service and relationship with him. But we don't know what 2023 will bring. How will my health hold up in the new year? I don't know. How will my finances hold up? Uh, what unexpected big bills are going to land on me in, in 2023? I don't know. Uh, what crises will arrive in, in my friends' lives or in my own life? I don't know. But what I do know, what you know, is that while some surprises will come, God has guaranteed us that he will be faithful in the temptations and trials so we can trust him. Exactly. And it's actually good that we don't know what surprises and crises lay ahead of us because we might be overwhelmed by the prospect of those circumstances for which God isn't yet giving us grace. That will come in due time. But we don't need to fear moving ahead with God. We can pursue life with a freedom and a confidence, not a self-confidence, but a confidence in God because God is faithful. I've just started a new daily devotional. Admittedly, I'm a couple days behind already. How's that for a good start to the year? But, but friends of ours gave us Paul David Tripp's New Morning Mercies, a daily gospel devotional. Listen to this from the January 2 entry. Human beings have a deep desire to know and understand. We spend much of our daily mental time trying to figure things out. But sin makes this drive dangerous. It tempts us to think that we can find our hearts by figuring it all out. It's the, if only I could understand this or that, then I'd be secure way of living. That never works. In your most brilliant moment, you will still be left with mystery in your life, sometimes even painful mystery. Rest is never found in the quest to understand it all. Rest is found in trusting the one who does understand it all and rules it all for his glory and our good. Quote, Rest is found in trusting the one who understands it all and rules it all. When we get in a vehicle on the verge of a long drive. We take time to pray together as a family. We pray for safe travels. Admittedly, that's what I want is safe travels. But I try to remember to pray that whatever may happen on this trip, that God will help us to keep trusting him. And then we shift into drive and get on the road. Away we go. And linking this with 1 Corinthians 10, you're saying that drive may bring upon you a temptation, but God will provide you a way out. 
And uh, so, Matthew, is this a temptation to speed or a temptation in the sense of a trial like a car accident? Uh, what, what does this verse in 1 Corinthians 10 refer to? Well, let's leave my driving habits out of this. But the Greek word can refer to either a solicitation to evil or uh, a trial that tests our faith. I think it may include both those things here in chapter 10, because the two are often related anyway. Whatever it is, if I'm seeking a way out, God can provide me a way out. The way out, the way of escape is for those who are looking for a way out, not a way in, by the way. In other words, if I'm tempting God by making provision for the flesh in the setting of 1 Corinthians, for example, if I'm going to the idol's temple and taking part in the idolatrous feast, well, it will be no surprise if I fall into sin. Those decisions show that I'm looking for a way in, not a way out. Well, thanks for that good clarification, but it provokes another question in my mind, uh, Matthew. So if we're genuinely looking for a way out, well, you've already said that God isn't necessarily going to change our circumstances. So how do you make those two statements jive? And the verse hints at this paradox itself. It speaks of a way out, but then it also says that we will be able to bear it or endure it. So why, why would I need to bear it if God's given me a way out? Well, obviously, the way out, the way of escape doesn't mean I will necessarily be taken out of the tempting or testing circumstances. What it means is that God will be faithful to me all the way through the trial or temptation. The way out is actually through the temptation. The way out is at the end of the temptation. I can escape it in the sense that I can be delivered from falling into sin in the midst of it. But the only reason I can be delivered is because God is faithful. Well, thanks for that. <clears throat> it uh, reminds me of Lamentations 3. Uh, famously, uh, Jeremiah, partway through there, he, he uh, lands on the faithfulness of God, right? That famous verse, uh, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And yet none of his circumstances have changed. He's gone from despair and darkness to hope in God's faithfulness, but his circumstances didn't change. And uh, I like what you said a minute ago, Matthew, that this truth of God's faithful character can give us a freedom in facing life. We can head into the new year with our desires to serve God knowing that he is ahead of us, he knows what challenges we're going to face, and he's going to be with us. He is sufficient for everything that he will allow to happen to us in this new year. Thank you, Mike. So my prayer for you and I and for all of our listeners is that in 2023, that we will be able to trace the hand of God and that we will have fresh experiences of his faithfulness to us and that our faith in him will be strengthened. Amen. I join you in that prayer. God bless. Thank you.